You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Please slow down. That's Diana. your leader? How could he say that? Believe that? And, and you, with your duty to simply give them a book, no. you didn't stand your ground, you, you didn't fight. Because there was no chance of changing his mind. This is Ares, and he's not going to allow a negotiation or a surrender. The millions of people you talked about, they will die. We are going anyway. You mean you were lying? I'm a spy, that's what I do. How do I know you're not lying to me right now? I am taking you to the front. We are probably gonna die. This is a terrible idea. We're gonna need reinforcements. Welcome everybody to the 602 Club. I'm so excited to be here. Hopefully you're getting this transmission. Uh, We are broadcasting from Themyscira or Paradise Island, whichever one's easier for you. Uh, And I don't know if this gets out through the barrier. Thank you for inviting us too, Bethany. It was really nice to, to for you to to say that we could come and visit you. <laughs> well, thanks, and thanks for for having me on the show, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So that's Bethany Blanton. She's going to be joining us to talk about uh, Wonder Woman, and uh, you know, I'm really excited to have uh, you here, Richard, because you know, I know that you have a daughter. And and so I saw so many mothers and fathers with their daughters at the movie theater. Um, so I think it's going to be really fun to have a dad on the show to kind of talk about your experience of getting to share uh, Wonder Woman with him. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. I, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um, well, before we dive in, uh, just a quick reminder, you can find all the shows that we do here at... Uh, Trek FM on iTunes over at iTunes.com slash Trek FM or they call it Apple Podcast now. So make sure you check that out. Uh, we're a featured provider there and we have so many different shows for you to check out. Um, and uh, while you're there, uh, I'd love for you to give us a star rating and review. Uh, and this is the end of our review contest that we did for um, some very exclusive Funko Pop uh, merchandise that uh, only came from them. It's all Guardians of the Galaxy related. And so we're picking a brand new winner in that contest. And so I am got all the reviews here and I am... Oh gosh, I'm so excited that Myopic Eagle has won the review contest. So thank you so much for your review. Uh, please go over to trek.fm slash contact choose the 602 club send me your information so i can send you what you've won i'm very excited to send it to you and i appreciate all the reviews that we got we got a lot of great new reviews and um they said that uh, the 602 club is fun and chill and one of the finest podcasts that they've come across i appreciate that that means a lot so 
Of course, you can find us on Twitter, TrekFM, Facebook, Facebook.com slash TrekFM. And I know Richard, Bethany, and I all kind of lurk around the Babel Conference, which is our listeners-only discussion group. You can join us there. If you're on Facebook, just type Babel into the search field. Or if you're on our website at Trek.FM, just hit discussion on the menu bar. It'll bring you over there. We'll let you in the group, and you can enjoy talking with all of the other listeners of the group about all the different shows and all the other things that we're talking about here on the network. Yeah, I do. I, I lurk there quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like I like the thought of us just kind of all. It, it, I feel like I'm I'm like uh, you know the really tall grass, and you can just see my eyes above it. You know, like just watching what happens. <laughs> and then kind of go back down. Anyway, that's creepy. Um, <laughs> let's get to our expectations about this film because. You know, uh, I think Wonder Woman had a lot of expectations writing on it uh, in in a lot of ways. Um, and I don't really necessarily think we need to dive into everything that's been said about DC films and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just kind of wondering what your personal expectations for the movie were going in. I mean, Wonder Woman been around for over 75 years now. I mean, huge character. And so, um, Bethany, for you kind of going into this movie, did you have any expectations for it? And was there anything you were kind of hoping for uh, before you saw the movie? I, I was hoping that it would be good. Um, I, I, I might fall a little bit into the cliche here, but as far as superhero movies goes, I was not a huge fan of Batman v Superman. I enjoyed it, but it, it wasn't like, oh yeah, one of my favorite superhero movies. So I, I was a little bit hoping that they would come forth with a character who, to me, would be very uh, appealing in terms of story and character uh, because uh, Batman versus Superman was not that way for me, necessarily. So I was trying not to get my hopes up, and that paired with an insane schedule of my own also paired with the fact that I didn't particularly grow up with Wonder Woman as a as a key character or hero of my childhood meant that I didn't actually pay a lot of attention until maybe the first or second trailer came out, at which point I started to have that sort of a secret hoping that it will be really good and kind of looking forward to it now. And then another trailer comes out and I'm like, ooh, this is exciting and and wow, you know, this the history behind this character and finally getting her own movie after all of these years. And so by the time I got to the movie itself, my expectations were fairly high. But at the same time, I didn't know exactly what to expect, which for me is the perfect way to go into a film. Yeah, I know. I think that I like that. I like that a lot, you know. And I think it's always kind of good to go into any film. Uh, you know, you're always hoping that you... You paid good money. You want it to be good. <laughs> I think that's just a normal, great expectation to have. So yeah. I, I love that. Um, what about you, Richard? Well, um, I will tell you what I uh, what I told my daughter because uh, she actually went there with me uh, to the, the uh, to see Wonder Woman um, along with um, my fiance Jennifer. Uh, I told her that you know uh, when the, well the first exposure I ever got with uh, with Wonder Woman was the DC cartoon. Um, I think it was um, 
Super, super Justice League. Ju- thank you, Justice League. Super, well, it was Friends, okay. it was on the CW or whatever it was um, on yeah, Channel yeah, Twenty or great whatever. Show. It was. I've been I yeah. I've been watching through it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. That that was my first exposure of Wonder Woman, and that was like when I was I don't know uh, in high school or something like that. Maybe a little bit before high school or something like that. And you know, I told she asked me um, what was what was this movie about, and I and you know based on what I remembered from you know that TV show was that you know. Wonder Woman is a character who stands for justice and um, and truth and battles injustice, and that's what she does. And she's friends with Superman and Batman, so she loves Superman. She loves Batman because <laughs> she's got a T-shirt for each of them, <laughs> and now she has a Wonder Woman T-shirt. Now, I I had very high ex- ex- expectations because I did know a lot about Wonder Woman, and I was vested in the story. Um, Thanks to the uh, thanks to the um, the cartoon show. On top of that, what I've read since then, yeah. So I had high expectations, but I knew pro- more than likely it probably wouldn't um, be on the same line as as the comic book. So I wasn't trying not to set that bar too high. So funny enough, here she is. <laughs> Aw, so. hey, how are you? Say hi, Eva. Hi. Hello. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, so good to see you. One of the things that I, I really like about that, and I'm in a similar situation as you, you know, I had seen a few, not a lot, because I'm I'm a little too young to have grown up with Wonder Woman, the TV show. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've seen a few episodes here and there. So Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know the theme song and, and her spinning and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and obviously know Linda Carter. Uh, if you've been in geekdom long enough, you you know who that is as Wonder Woman. But I'm right there with you that really my exposure to Wonder Woman came through the Justice League cartoon and then Justice League Unlimited. And, of course, uh, when they decided, DC Comics decided uh, over six or seven years ago, it's been a long time now, to reboot into the New 52, I specifically started reading all the Wonder Woman comics. And that is a fantastic run of Wonder Woman. Uh, Brian Azzarello did a really great job of doing the unexpected with Wonder Woman and her storyline and her origin, which is actually one of the things that they use as a basis for her origin in this movie. Uh, And so, but like you, Richard, you know, reading a lot of the comics and then having gone back and read some of the older stuff, I always have to remember that comic book movies are their own thing. You know, they're going to synthesize and syncretize a lot of different parts of the comics to to make their vision. Um, And a lot of ways, they kind of simplify things, too. And that's not always bad because you can only do so much in a two, two and a half hour movie anyway. So um, my expectation was that that it would be good. I'm unabashedly a huge fan of... Batman v Superman. It's my favorite superhero movie still. Um, I love Man of Steel. Suicide Squad, good, not great, um, but I still enjoy it. And, you know, I love a ton of the Marvel movies too. I mean, Captain America is one of my favorite superheroes of all time as well. So, I mean, it's it's not as though I'm just on, only on one side. Um, and I just, I mean, Guardians for me, Guardians 2, I liked it more than Guardians 1. So, hey, you know, whatever... You never know what you're going to get, um, and so I always hope it's going to be good. But I wanted to talk about this right at the opening with you guys because I really do think that there's a heart to this movie, and I think it's Gal Gadot and Chris Pine. 
And I think both of these characters and their portrayal are pretty much what make the movie in a lot of ways. Um, I, I would argue that Gal is to Wonder Woman what Christopher Reeve has been to Superman. So I'm wondering what you guys think about both of them and, you know, just the, the, the way that they portray the characters and what they do for the movie. You know, I remember back when she was first cast... The outrage on social media of people saying that she was too skinny, that she didn't fit the look of Wonder Woman, that she wouldn't do well in the role and so on and so forth. And of course, those who came to her defense and, you know, were basically like, you know, don't don't skinny shame people and that sort of thing. And I'm thinking, man, I'm glad the Internet didn't make that decision. (laughs) because she did astonishingly well in the role and her character really came out and flourished in a way with a rich story and a believable flawed character with superpowers, uh, but not an anti-hero because it, 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 we seem to get a lot of heroes who are kind of lean towards the Captain America end of things, or they lean towards the Iron Man or possibly Batman end of things where they're they're heroes or they're heroes that are burdened or they're anti-heroes like Deadpool. Uh, and I like that Wonder Woman is a hero who has flaws but isn't necessarily going around terribly haunted by her past. Everybody has issues with the past but she's not another Batman. <laughs> and uh and, it, and and I don't know how they struck that balance. It was a perfect balance. Um, <laughs> I you know I, I I saw the same thing about the uh, the whole shaming thing, and I, yeah I'm yeah I, I'm in agreement with you, uh, Bethany. That uh, I'm glad that <laughs> the internet also did not uh, make that decision either. Um, like I said, I had high expectations, and I wasn't trying I wasn't trying to like rip it apart <laughs> in my mind because I just watched it took it for what it was, you know, obviously, you know, I didn't uh, want, I didn't want to like be like, well, this is what they said in the original and this is what we're doing in the middle or this is what we're doing in the movie. And I don't, you know, and, I, and this is not right. No, no, no. That's not what I wanted to do on. Cause that's what I did with the uh, previous earlier MCU uh, movies. And I stopped doing that. But like um, in this one, I thought she was a decent actor, actress in this. I didn't think she was over the top. Um, I, like I've been reading, uh, I read a lot of the reviews, and um, it was very difficult to find a because uh, I what I usually do when I from, uh, look at movies before I watch it, I usually try to find the ones that criticize the movie quite a bit, and there it, there was like maybe one or two that I found, and. Um, She's a, she I I mean Chris Pine is oh is Chris Pine I love the dude the dude can uh he's he's a great actor um he sold it for me uh, uh for this whole movie um I wish they would have given her more to work with um uh, uh, for Gal because all right I'm just gonna say it. it to me it was Return of the Jedi meets Baywatch meets um Tarzan but if if Tarzan was a was a woman. That's how I saw it because I was like, lots of slow motion that uh, that I saw with Baywatch. 
not the most intelligent. I'm not saying that she's not an intelligent woman, but I mean, through the character, through the whole entire movie, that's what I know. She's not experienced and never seen the uh, seen the real world, but like, it's like, oh crap. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I think I, yeah. I I think that that I mean I, I I get what you're saying, but I actually think you're criticizing something that is a as a actual part of her character is she is naive. I mean, she has not. I mean. She's been divorced from the real world. She's grown up on Paradise Island. That's why they call it that. It's 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 pretty much as perfect as it gets. You know, she has no her perception of the world is so simple. There's good, there's bad, and, and that's it, you know, and when she gets into the world, she has to become acclimated to the complexities of our world and it does take her a lot of time and so honestly i loved the fact that she comes into the world very innocent uh and that changes i mean because her arc is to go from somebody who is very innocent wants to change the world thinks she can make it better by only killing one person and everything's going to be fine uh to being a person that at the end of this hangs up the lasso for over a hundred years until what we see in Batman v Superman. So I mean, she's she comes out of this kind of damaged. Like she comes out of this somebody who who doesn't just stay the hero until quite some time later on. So I, this has a huge impact on her. So I think kind of I I don't know if I I I would criticize her for playing it with a, a, a naivety because I think that's on purpose because that's who the character is, you know, like she thinks, you know, war is kind of this glorious thing. And what she finds out is it's, you know, like she, nothing is as good as she thought it was. In fact, it's a lot worse, you know, like, and that takes her time to figure out, you see what I'm saying? I do, but I, I, I know where you're coming from, but I, I mean, I have a lot more to counter for that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> no, go for no. it. Come on. Bring well, it. I'm just, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, okay, so if we're going to of, uh, go off of like Greek mythology and uh, Greek culture and whatnot, they knew all about political uh, politics within, within governments, within military, within even right, man Right, but itself. we're not talking about that. We're talking about what they give us in the movie uh, yes. about Diana right. no, you know, no. on yeah. the world that she grows up in. And she grows up in a very sheltered, very contained world. And when she gets to the real world, I think it slaps her in the face. I maybe she should have not. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to say it, but I kind of think I think you're really wrong here, Richard. I think you missed kind of the point of the whole movie. No, I which got the whole point of the movie. Her... No, I'm just saying, like after the fact. After I watched the movie, that's when I started really thinking about uh, certain pieces of the movie. I got the movie. I'm just saying, like, when I started really thinking about it and really look, really looking at the pieces that I was watching, that's when I started tearing it apart. And and it went from, I mean, but don't I, get me wrong. I, but, I mean, if you understand where she's coming from and all that, I don't understand what you're tearing apart. That's what I'm not getting. Like, I don't understand why you would tear it apart because... I feel like the the thematic elements for Diana are pretty well laid out um, and make sense for what they give us for this version of Diana, that mascara, the world, how she's been brought up. I mean, she's kind of the hunky-dory, like, gee golly, go get him hero, 
that get slapped in the face with the real world. I mean, that, that to me, that seems like that's the arc for the character. So the way Gal plays it, I think, is kind of perfect because she just thinks, hey, I'm going to kill Ares and it'll all be great. Like, I mean, if they put like a little like, you know, like with her smile, that's kind of who she is at the beginning. And at the end, she is a completely different person. Like she has been utterly changed forever. So much so that she will spend 100 years not being a hero. Well, and if you think about it, in many ways, her story is similar to Captain America's in the sense that yes, they both have yes, a personality absolutely. of... They they want to see what's good in the world. They want to see good things happen, and they want to believe in the good of the world. Uh, and so it is both uh, sweet and endearing, while at the same time winds up being a flaw for both of them because it, it for both of them they fail to see some of the mm, well. Let's let's say that they both fail to see some of the reality that's around them. Uh, and for but for Diana, it's even more pronounced because she's grown up in seclusion in this society where her mother specifically, who's the freaking queen, is like, we will not teach her about war. I don't want you to train her. You know, we want to keep all of the bad stuff away. We're going to try to hide her and keep her from knowing as much as possible about who she is and her background and all of this other stuff. And so let's just tell her some somewhat altered versions of these fairy tales and then eventually gives into training her and Diana gets trained by somebody who loves to fight, who talks about the glories of war. I I mean, (laughs) her aunt fights and dies with a smile on her face and Diana is not that person. She's not the person to fight with a smile on her face. She's the person who will be a very determined fighter and and a defender of the weak and a defender of justice. But I don't think at her heart she's someone who actually likes fighting. And so I think it makes perfect sense to see her character go from somebody who was very selectively told the truth, very intentionally and carefully sheltered from multiple things, uh, to, to grow into a young adult who thinks she knows a lot because she's read certain items but doesn't realize what she's what she doesn't know which is all of these other things that her entire society has been keeping from her because when you have a queen for a mother (laughs) i mean you can pretty much dictate how she grows up and what she knows and doesn't know well that was something i mean for me watching it i was thinking about this uh, like if i was a parent and this is, I thought was interesting, Richard, was this the whole idea of how much is hidden from Diana, how much she doesn't know uh, about what she doesn't know. And she doesn't realize that until she begins to get to the war. And I think that's that, you know, like she thinks of war, like uh, Bethany, you were saying, in Antiope's uh, thought process, which is it's glorious, you know, and then. They are walking to that ship, and she's seeing all these broken men of different ages walk past her, and it's beginning to dawn on her this is not what she thought it was. Like, and and it kind of made me think of like the whole idea of like how sheltered do we keep our kids? Like, you know, do we do we keep them completely uh, 
immune to the rest of the world? Are we, or do we slowly begin to allow them to see the reality out there instead of just the fairy tale? And Diana starts off with the fairy tale and ends up with the reality. And that's a, that's a big character arc to kind of, I think, move through in the story. And it is, it is very different than most of the other um, origin stories for Diana. Uh, the only one that I can think of where uh, is actually the new Rebirth storyline is much closer to this version of Diana. She's much more innocent when she comes to the world of man um, than I had ever seen her before. Um, so I, I thought that that was just an interesting thing. And, and I don't know, I, I, it works for me. I, I got nothing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, I think what's great is that they work well together. Like I think her gal and Chris, I think work really well together. And I believe them as a couple. I think that was the thing too, that like it, it, them working together and, and finding a way to learn from each other, I thought was really nice and it it kind of to me those two characters were the heart and soul of the movie but it also had a lot to I think just say about what true equality is like he respects her for what she can do she respects him for what he can do for most of the movie until they kind of have their spat and then they come back together um but you know I I just like when they're you know, they've liberated that village and he says to her, you know, you did this. And she says, no, we did. Like, it it, it was about them doing it together, her and the rest of the men. And I thought, um, I thought that was really cool. I thought that that was a really great statement for the film. That it wasn't just about Wonder Woman, but it was about her involving the other people around her. And, Mostly, you know, Chris Pine's character, Steve Trevor, which, oh, he's dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, come on, he is. I don't know about that far, but I like him, but not that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and I liked their, I really liked their chemistry together. So um, we have a lot of other characters in the cast, and I just kind of wanted to talk about some of the ones that stood out to you the most. I mean, you know, we've got Robin Wright's Antiope. We have Connie Nielsen's Queen Hibolita. We have um, Etta Candy, Lucy Davis. I mean, there's so many fun, great characters in this movie. So what are the ones, because uh, I don't think we can sit around and talk about them all. It would just take too long. But what were the ones that really stood out to you that you liked the most? Um, I really liked Etta Candy. I really, I really like her. <laughs> I mean, that was probably one. Um, besides Chris Pine, obviously, besides the main characters, but like, um, you know, she was, she was great. I, I, I loved it. I mean, it was like, you know, you see, um, uh, you see Chris Pine's character. You know, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, sort of thing. And, um, and then you see Anna Kenny, just like, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, but basically jokes it off and basically says the same thing as him, but in a joking manner. And it's, I, I, I love the humor, uh, uh, when she's involved. It's, it's just great. It's, it's great. I, I, I loved her in the trailers and I'm glad that I didn't see everything <laughs> in the trailers that are, you know, at least there was some new stuff, but yeah, it was, I, I, lo- that's, she's one of my favorite characters, secondary from the main, so she is hilarious and adorable at the same time. You just, you just, you want someone like that in your life. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you a do. A secretary? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> just, just a sidekick. <laughs> That's like that. Yeah. I don't approve of slavery. <laughs> What's funny is that she... Um, her getting to run the mission is actually something that's happened straight out of rebirth um, in a completely different way, obviously. But I, I loved that she kind of gets more and more responsibility as the film goes on. Um, and she is a phenomenal character. And Lucy Davis was in the British version of The Office. And she played the Pam character, whose name was Dawn. She's wonderful and very funny. So I agree with you both. She's just awesome in this film. And, and and I agree with you too, Richard. I'm so glad that all her funny lines were not in the trailers because it gave you like things to look forward to that you hadn't seen at all. That was and, and they actually did that a lot with this movie. There were a lot of things that they didn't show you, which was great because it it for a lot of people there were some big surprises in this movie. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it was for me it was predictable um except for the very very end um uh of who Ares was, but otherwise yeah, it was kind of predictable for me for most of it. Not all of it, but most of it. Yeah, well we'll get there yeah. cuz that's that's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, okay. I I've, I've heard from multiple people that they were shocked by the Ares reveal, but Yeah. That was actually well, I guess we'll come to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I suppose to get a little bit more back on topic, uh, I really liked the great general. Uh, and I always consistently mispronounce her name. So Matt? Antiope. Antiope. Okay. Are you sure you're pronouncing it correctly? I am. Okay. Antiope. I'll take your word for it. Uh, <laughs> just... It sounds different coming from Gal Gadot's mouth. It does. It really does. Yes, and I'll I'll to completely blame it on her for ever mispronouncing it. <laughs> uh so Antiope, man, what an amazing character! Talk about somebody who she's definitely a general. She leans way military in her opinions, and as you can tell by clashing with her sister on, you know whether or not to train Diana and her reasons behind it. Uh, and I happen to think that she was correct in this case, but Robin Wright did an amazing job of portraying that character as a believable, but incredibly strong and mythical uh, general. And I, I, I forget exactly who made this comment and I'm sure multiple people have, but I could easily see a 300 style movie made with Antiope as the main character. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about that the whole idea. Like, wouldn't it be great to have a Amazon film, three hundred style, basically, with them? It'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, <laughs> I'd I'd totally watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you could do the backstory that um, Hippolyta tells Diana uh, about the war, the the final war of the Amazons before they're on Themyscira, where they free themselves from. From man, and uh, you could totally do that. I, I mean, that would be brilliant because um, I agree with you. Both her, Antiope, and Hippolyta were very good characters, very different characters, but I really enjoyed the portrayal. And I feel, I feel like they got people of gravitas to play those roles, so you immediately kind of felt that. So you didn't necessarily need that built in. Like you didn't have to spend a ton of time with them to feel like they were important. 
So I, I really, I, I was very happy with both of those characters and um, really would actually like to, like, be great to see more of them. Um, and uh, kind of glad that Nicole Kidman did not get cast as uh, Hippolyta because that was uh, originally who was going to be that. She'll actually be um, in Aquaman, is Aquaman's mother. I thought Connie Nielsen, obviously we know her from Gladiator uh, as Commodus's sister, uh, was just a really good choice because she, I, I mean, she just, I, for some reason, she fits that kind of role really well. She does, yeah. Didn't, I didn't realize Nicole Kidman was uh, a. <laughs> I was gonna get cast for that. I could. I can't see that. <laughs> um, yeah, me I, either. I think, I, yeah, I can. I could see her as um, being the Atlantean queen that will be uh, the mother of. Um, yeah. I, I, because yeah. she normally has red hair anyway. That's true, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I totally think that works much better. I think Connie Nielsen was just the right choice for this role. No, no, I agree. I totally agree. It's just that I, I, I'm just trying to picture it, and I'm like, I can't, I can't see it. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad that they didn't do that, because, um, I mean, I, I love her. She's a great actress, but she's more of a more of a drama actress than a than an authoritative actress. You know what I mean? Like, you know, to, to command something like a, a, a character like that. Or I don't know. Maybe I've never seen it before. I don't, all right, there you go. I've never seen her uh, do anything um, beyond what she's done, you know, drama-wise. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I think it, it would have just been... I, I think she could do it. I don't think it's out of her range. I just think that after seeing Connie Nelson and knowing what she can do, I think she pulls it off. Because, too... You know, one of the things I loved about the movie, and I've seen it a few times now already, uh, was watching Connie Nielsen when Diana is a little girl and she's wanting to learn how to fight and she's talking about the God Killer and the faces that Connie Nielsen makes are perfect because she knows the secret. She knows what Diana is talking about the God Killer. It's not a sword. She's already looking at the God Killer. It's her daughter. And, like, she just plays that weight on her shoulders really, really well because it's small and it's subtle. Um, and so if you go back and see the film, and I hope everybody will, it's it's one of those things where I, she, you, when you know the secret, you watch the actress's portrayal, and it's really interesting. So to watch Robin Wright's character of Antiope and Connie Nielsen's character of Hippolyta go back and forth about what's best for the god killer uh, I think it makes for a really good portrayal, and it, it, it it's worth definitely a, a rewatch because um, the choices the actresses make are really nice. Uh, so I need to go and watch it again. Yeah, I totally. We're talking about it right now, and I'm like, I just want to go to the theater and watch Wonder Woman again. But um, we're podcasting, so we'll stay. <laughs> we'll finish it, and then maybe afterward. Um, it was a close call. Think? We came this close. It was close. close. To just all I mean, leaving. yeah. <laughs> Yep, that this close. Um, what did y'all think of of Steve Trevor's three friends? We had you know Sammy and Charlie and Chief. I love Chief. I I I, or I love all three of them. Don't get me wrong, but um, out of out of the, out of the three, um, I love Chief, especially when he starts talking about how he's um he's free. Um, it's, I mean, given the time frame of when uh, of when this movie took place, obviously this is um pretty fresh uh 
from uh, the relocation of Indians uh, into um, reservations and and whatnot. But I absolutely love that uh, that part of the whole that that part of the movie when he starts talking about his own people and that you know yeah he's in the middle of a of a war he's not taking any sides but he's free and I can't even tell you how much uh, I I I don't think my daughter understood that but like um, I've been telling her a lot about our heritage and whatnot and our background is uh, is uh native americans so uh muscular indians in new mexico and um yeah it's it's i i absolutely love that piece that they put they they were able to put something like that into the movie uh it was very meaningful to me but otherwise the rest of them were great <laughs> that i i really like what you said richard and i thought that was really important too because the way that him and steve are still able to be friends right when that is so, like you said, it's still kind of fresh for them. You know, it hasn't been that long since Steve's people took the land away from Chief's people. Right, and it just seemed like he wasn't taking any vengeance or anything like that. Right, you know, right. And it's just what it is what it is now, unfortunately, and now he's doing what he needs to do in order to, I mean, he, obviously his loyalty, to, I mean, and perfect. it's perfect that he proves that his loyalty to, uh, to him is that, you know, hey, I'm I'm here to help him out. You know, and yeah, he, he may be you know for hire, uh, you know, but still, I mean, it's his loyalty is there. You can you can completely see it. And it, it that does not get lost on Diana too, who I I read in her look of, you know, when she's being told, well, his people did that to my people, and it is a recent thing. I think her 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 expression is more of a. You know, they're still talking to each other and acting like friends. I think she's actually baffled by the idea that they can be friends and that it's not, oh, well, this one person's people. I, I think that was like a, a dawning moment on her of, you know, there isn't just this one bad guy, Aries. It's, it's part of the thing that starts to teach her that bad things are done by multiple people and that sometimes... You know, it's not just the one bad guy influencing everybody else, and it's not just everybody being bad or one particular group over the other. And so I, I think that that starts playing in her subconscious mind a bit throughout the movie. Well, and I like that you pulled that up because I think each of these characters is able to teach Diana something. You know, I think you're absolutely pulled out that, that the way in which a chief is able to influence Diana. Uh, in such a good way by showing forgiveness, you know, um, and that, like you said, maybe they're not, maybe there's good and bad to everybody. Maybe it's not just like, you know, um, uh, this clear delineation, you're good, you're bad, you know. Uh, I love the way that Charlie kind of shows her the brokenness of people who have been in war and like the, the ghosts that he sees, the way it haunts him the things that he's done. I thought that was beautiful. Uh, I really liked that actor. and I, But I also love the way in which she helps kind of pull him out of that, you know, by still making him feel valuable, uh, even when he isn't able to perform the one thing he's there to, which is a sharpshoot in that scene. She still makes him feel of value and loved and cared for, uh, and then I really liked the way that Sammy is able to talk to her about how, you know, we're all fighting our own battles. I'm fighting mine. Charlie's fighting his. Chief, 
Steve, everybody here, even you, Diana, we all have our personal battles to fight in life because basically what he's saying, life isn't fair. Um, but we make the best of it and we try to change it where we can. And I, I just, I thought all three of those characters had such a great way. They don't have a ton of screen time, but they're able to affect the life of Diana and she's able to affect their life. And I just liked seeing the way that that played out. And, uh, it's one of the things that I enjoyed the most in the rewatches was seeing those little moments between those three men and Diana and the way that they can in, they impact each other's lives. It's kind of beautiful, actually. I, th- I definitely think so. Mm, how to put this? It's, it's very refreshing to see that as much as they can be awed by Diana, they also all recognize how naive she is and how new to the world that she is. And they're not afraid of interacting with her as a human being. Uh, and, and not because, oh, they're men and they're more powerful in a day and age where that that kind of, the, the idea that men could be better than women or more professional or more capable at war, uh, but they just interacted with her as a human and it, it went a long way towards shaping how she viewed humanity because she saw their flaws, but she saw their friendships with each other and the way that they try to look out for her and the fact that they followed her into the no man's land. Um, and I don't know. It was just, it was just adorable. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I think you're absolutely right because again, they, they have this relationship that's for mutual benefit. You know, they're able to teach Diana things without being, I get, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to uh, say they're mansplaining to her. They're just able to to lovingly show her what the world is like through their own lives, through their own experience, through who they are without hiding it. And she's able to, to do kind of the same thing for them to show them that th- this kind of, um, I guess, more angelic presence in a lot of ways. You know, like she is kind of a, like an angel in their presence. Um and I just, I really, I, I really liked the way that that worked. So, um, the last two characters, um, you know, we have, uh, people that are identified as villains in the movie and they're, they're pretty villainous. Uh, Ludendorff and, and Maru or Dr. Poison. I mean, when they're laughing about those guys, uh, going for the gas mask that isn't going to work, that is pretty evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that was that was a kind of a terrifying scene when you realize, oh, they're not testing it to see if it will work. They're hoping that it fails. Okay, so um <laughs> so uh a, a little bit of personal background on this one actually. So my uh military background is uh nuclear, biological and chemical weapons uh uh detection and uh disposal as well. Um so when they started talking about mustard gas, <laughs> uh, I, I knew all about it because when when we did training, they actually this was back in the eighties, um, but like they used to use mustard gas or some kind of tear gases, but it was like a low yield. They used to put it on your uh, on your skin and then it like bubble up, and basically that's that's ultimately what it what happens inside your lungs is that it it bubbles up inside your lungs and then it pops and then that's how you die is you it's dry land drowning. Basically, in a sense, yeah, it, it was very villainous because I, 
have seen lots of videos because they showed us a video of uh, uh, of how serious it is because they they train us with um, with actual live agents in the chemical school and they showed us a video of how serious it is basically if you see someone's like eyes like drowsing or something like that which is one of the symptoms uh, for nerve agent exposure they do everything you know they strip you down bleach you freaking everything it's 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 crazy on how serious it is and it just brought back so many memories sometimes haunting memories i'm not trying to scare yeah, i'm not no kidding i'm not trying to scare anyone but like they showed that that training video cuz i mean like the air force marine corps the army coast guard everyone Navy, I don't want to miss out anyone. Um, <laughs> um, basically, goes to the chemical school in Fort Leonard Wood, and it's very, very real stuff. That's scary. I mean, it's amazing that it even was invented in the first place. So, but like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, um, the science was a little off, but I, I, I just said screw it. I'll, I'll take it. It's a comic book <laughs> I took movie. it. I took it. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, no, no. It's, not, it's sulfur based. No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Well, yeah. and that's that was the thing that I really like. One, um, Ludendorff is a real general from World War One. Uh, he doesn't actually die, if I remember my history correctly. Uh, them using that real history, I thought, was really cool. Um, and, and making them kind of the villains here at the very end of World War One, which I thought was really cool, too, that they're placing it at the at the time when it doesn't make it seem like Wonder Woman's ending the war. Like, she's not the one who causes World War One to end, um, but she's a, a part of, of a mission that, that, that helps keep it from spreading even worse. But they're already at that armistice stage that's deciding trying to sign the armistice and i just those two characters you know that that villainy of being okay with like mass murdering people and the horrors of world war one i'm glad we saw that on screen because it's kind of a war that gets forgotten but the things that mankind did to each other in that war is some of the worst things that we've ever seen in war like you talked about, Richard, the fact that this gas was even invented and used on people is just pretty horrific. And uh, it connects very well with the whole part of, you know, Ares and the God of War. Uh, and so I, I liked the way that those two characters, you know, fit in the film. Um, and I also liked that a lot of people I, I've talked to were actually really shocked that Ludendorff was not Aries. Like, I was surprised that so many people that I've heard talk on podcasts or just in general in my life, I've talked to friends and they were really shocked that. And and what I love is that they didn't give that away in the trailer. Oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was wonderful. The fact that that was a secret for people, and in, unless you figured it out during the movie, which you know I I kind of did, but that's okay. It didn't ruin anything for me that I did. The fact that they hadn't showed you or given you really any hint in the trailers that Ludendorff wasn't the bad guy was great, I thought. I agree. I I was the only one in my family, though, who partway through the movie started thinking that he might not actually be Ares, though. And then uh, I guess more than halfway through, I switched back to thinking, ah, yeah, I guess he is Aries. Uh, but I, I don't know what it was about. I just don't remember Sir his Patrick? name. Sir Patrick? 
Yes. Next to okay. Yeah. I was there say, there I was, was like, yeah. a, at some point less than halfway through the movie where I thought that he might be a villain. And then I thought maybe, maybe, you know, this is the actual real bad guy. We're not sure who he is yet. And then I went back to thinking that Ludendorff was the true bad guy. Cause you know, he's, he's a real historical figure too. That's known for his evilness as well. Well, I think that I think that's a great time for us to talk about the God of War <laughs> uh, and just kind of dive into the fact that they do that switch where it, the, you know, it's not who you think, you know, the the devil's in disguise. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, you know, when when they were starting to get to that point when they're in that watchtower, uh, and um, you know, Chris Pine's character was uh, uh, Steve. I'll just say Steve. Uh, Steve was. Uh, basically saying like well maybe evil is within man as well and and whatnot it started to make me think that what a great what a great villain that would that would be like Ares was never there but you see him like in the shadows sort of thing like as a puppet you know as as the puppet master when it was getting to that point to almost the ending and then of course the general comes up um I was thinking that like maybe a spirit came out of his body or something like that as like, you, you know, for like, like Hades, like he took over his body for whatever reason to, you know, fight Diana and then survive and live on and go to, and we'll see him on another movie, <laughs> but to kill him. Come on. <laughs> That's the only part I didn't like. That was probably the only part I didn't like um, that he died. It's the whole villain problem that I have with most comic books now. That why do we why do they have to die? Why can't they survive and come back in another movie like Iron Man did with uh with the Ten Rings, or uh you know like or like Loki or something like that? Why can't it be something like that? Why do you ha- why do we have to have an absolute he dies in this movie and then that's it we don't hear about him, and then what war ends or something like that or now well and I think no I I I get what you're saying too because I mean in the comic books Ares is a is a character that's around. You know, they either have to put him in chains or something, or you know, uh, they hold him uh, at Themyscira in chains, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. I didn't have a problem with the fact that he died. What I loved is what he represents, though, because that whole conversation that that Steve and Diana have when he's he, what what I love about the way Chris Pine plays the role is he's so flummoxed about how to explain to Diana the complexities of human nature in like the three seconds that they have, like he can't do it. But when he he blurts out, but maybe maybe we're all to blame. Maybe there isn't just one guy. Maybe this is just us. I I thought, what a powerful statement for today. What if it's what if it's not just one person to blame? What if it's not just oh thanks Obama or oh thanks Trump? Like what if all of us are in this together and really we're all at fault? Mm. Like what a really good message because. That was the other great thing about Ares is he is a villain, and he says to himself, I whisper things in their ears. He's basically like their little shoulder devil. Mm. He whispers in their ears. He gives them ideas, but he doesn't make them use the weapons. He doesn't make them do the things. Like he says, they start these wars on their own. Like this is this is their doing with their world, and, and, and what it seemed to say is man isn't, good he can be but a lot of times what he chooses to do with the world around him is to do bad things and you know it was great because at the same time as sir patrick he is calling for 
peace at all costs, right? He's calling for this armistice. You know what that armistice is going to do? He knows what it's going to do. It's going to lead Germany to want to revolt against the extreme measures that we put on Germany in that armistice at the end of World War I that leads to Hitler in World War II. Angel of light that's really the angel of darkness. And like that is a really powerful villain that his goal is to make people think they're doing the right thing, but they're actually doing the worst thing possible because peace at all costs is not really the answer here because I just, it blew my mind that the, the thematic elements that go around the villain of Ares and what he's doing um, because he's not necessarily all wrong in what he says to Diana. You know what I'm saying, Bethany? Yeah, I, I mean, he is partly right and that's why at first she's tempted because, uh, I, I mean, and if you know any history at all, you know how looking back on it it seems ridiculous that world war one happened like you know why would these countries have made these silly promises to each other why would why would this tiny little spark have ignited a war and and so and diana is looking on all of those things too and from more of an outside perspective uh so it it makes what he says makes a lot of sense if you don't have a heart and if you don't have the ability to be gracious and you don't have the ability to, to forgive and understand that despite their flaws, that humanity is worth something. Well, and it's so interesting to me too, because when he shows Diana, he's like, look what they've done to this world. They took paradise and just obliterated it. And that, that kind of idea of we can, we can bring back paradise, you and I together, you know, like it's, it's it's kind of the same. Uh, honestly, it's the same uh, thing that Clark faces in in Man of Steel when Zod is showing him. He's like, "We could make Krypton anew. You know, forget all these people. They're not worth your time. You know, like they're not worth your protection. You know, it, just join us and we can remake our world anew." Um, and it's kind of that same temptation in the wilderness kind of thing uh, you know where what they're saying isn't necessarily all wrong but their solution is all wrong um and i just i i absolutely adored that 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 was the motivation for aries and so that when he reveals himself to diana and she has to make the choice to what is she going to do about it. I, I just really, I thought that that was really powerful because before that, when she realizes that mankind is is still going with this war thing and, and she thinks she's killed Ares, she's like, no, I'm done with you guys. Like, she lets Steve and, and the rest of the, the troop go off by themselves. Like, she's just standing there on that tower. She's done. She, she's done with this hero thing because humanity really isn't worth it to her. Um, and so like, he tempts her at just the right time. I And I actually also think that that was partly the reactionary shock of discovering the truth. Or, or more like the truth was always there for her to see it. But having it come around and slap her in the face because yeah. she, was, she was denying what was right in front of her in huge part due to her upbringing and definitely in part due to her personality and tendencies as a character. But... Uh, she she in some ways 
was facing what she could no longer deny. And I think that was her reaction to it. Uh, so I, I think even if Ares hadn't shown up at some point, she probably would have come around. But he he pushed her right when she was at her weakest to see if she would break. One of our listeners, uh, Chris Baca, he's been listening to the show for a long time. He's on the Babel Conference, and he brought something up. I had posted my review on uh, Facebook, and he wrote uh, something really poignant. I loved it. This whole idea of for Diana about listening and that Diana kind of selectively listens and she hears what she wants to hear about things. Um, and I think this is what gives her a lot of that naivety. She doesn't hear when her mother says, there's so much you don't understand. She doesn't pick up on the fact that Steve's like, oh, that's that's great. You know, like that you're not quite getting it and that she never really listens to anybody and that it's the moment in which she is... Uh, looking at Maru on the ground. She's holding a tank, ready to smash it into her, basically. And she remembers what Steve told her. Like, she hears for the first time what Steve told her about, I'm going to go save today. You can save the world. And she sees what humanity is capable of in Steve, which is he will make the ultimate sacrifice to make sure that, you know, 50 square miles of this countryside, people don't die. He, he, he's willing to make that sacrifice. She sees that mankind has the ability to be good. And they have that conversation before, too, where she puts it all together, where he says, maybe it's not about what we deserve. Maybe we don't deserve you being here. Maybe we don't deserve your protection. But maybe not. it's not about what we deserve. Maybe it's about what you believe. And in that moment, Diana hears all that he said. She puts it all together. And that's where she can tell Ares, man is every kind, everything that you say they are. But there's so much more. And it makes that relationship that she's had with Steve and with these other three guys and her experiences in this real world, she finally hears and sees for the first time and I thought that was really cool because I don't know about you guys but I I think we all in this world kind of have a problem with selectively listening to what we want to hear and believing what we want to believe about things even if it's not necessarily true oh yeah um and I love that because she's doing that the whole movie and when her eyes are open her ears are opened she sees she still chooses to help us even though we totally don't deserve it. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Yeah, to uh, totally. Yeah, I, I actually didn't even real. I didn't even realize that um, uh, that that scene, uh, how how powerful that scene is. Um, uh, that you know, she wasn't really listening, and it makes sense. You know, thinking back on it, uh, I I didn't pick that up. I mean, I was wondering why. I was like, what? She got blasted by some kind of bomb or something like that, and she can't hear now. She has tinnitus or something like that. But then, you know, reading that, it was like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it is, it is, it is a very powerful uh, statement um, uh, for him to say something like that. So, golly, I hear you. I hear you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I don't hear you, Matt. I selectively listen to what you say. <laughs> I mean, most people do, honestly. Let's just be honest. Well, and, and what's so cool about that, on top of the whole idea of listening, was, you know, Diana, at that moment, 
there's a time to fight and a time to love. And, and I think she realizes that those necessarily aren't always at opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, um, because, I mean, she's looking in the face of evil there as as Ares is saying, look at, look at how awful these people are. Look at what they do. I mean, and she's looking at Maro, who's created this gas that is so awful, it will just, people will combust because of it. And she still chooses to love us, even her most unworthy, and to help us. Because she knows, yes, humanity is flawed and evil and can be just the worst thing on the planet. She's looked that in the face, but she's also looked at what we can be, which is one of the best representations, which happens to be Steve. And he's willing to die to make sure that other people are safe, which is the best version of humanity. So she knows the best and the worst, and she still chooses to help us. And, like, I love that that's how she can say she's fighting for love. She's fighting to show, to give people in a better opportunity with Aries gone to make sure that we have a better chance, hopefully. Um, and she becomes kind of that better angel of our nature, you know, uh, encouraging us to stand up for what's right, even if it's not necessarily the most popular thing to do. Or the you know just to make sure we do the right thing, I just re- I really liked that because the picture of her staring at Maru, and like that woman is is pretty evil, you know like that's the that's the worst of humanity she's looking at. But she's got a cool uh, mask. She does have a cool mask. <laughs> yeah. I just I thought that that was a really powerful, really powerful moment for the movie. I wanted to ask you guys about one thing that um, struck me about the movie that I thought was really cool, um, and it's 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 kind of back in, more towards the beginning of the movie when Diana is going to leave, and she's talking to her mother, and her mother doesn't want her to go, and she says, "But who will I be if I stay?" And I just I really liked that question about what that means about responsibility. And that we, and that kind of ties into that whole theme of us. We're all in this together. I want to know how long, uh, how she was able to hide that long uh, while looking that young all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what she bounced job to job or something like that, changed names. Like she's uh, like a Highlander or something like that. <laughs> I, I mean, I think you probably hit it on the head. She probably watched Highlander to get tips, <laughs> chopping heads off in alleyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to stay young no yeah i i yeah uh definitely um i really think that they should have stayed with uh world war ii but that's my own <laughs> that's my own little because uh, i think uh world war ii was more horrific than world war one was and like you said you know it it is a forgotten war it is it really is it's just like korea was uh or is i i think that the the thing that i like most about diana is that in the in the face of any setback, any surprise, any bad occurrence, personal conflict, family conflict, having her ideals questioned or questioning her own ideals, in the face of everything, even when sometimes she pauses or hesitates or has the moment where she's not going to help humanity, in the end she always 
goes forward and she and she doesn't need somebody else to kind of push her to be the hero or to cajole her into helping everybody but in the end uh, out of her own character and her own nature she she just keeps moving like she just keeps trying to do what she can tell is right yeah no i mean i think you're absolutely right bethany like she knows what is right like the amazon's reason for being on the earth is to is to be an influence for man and and to show them a better way and of course too when they are led to Themyscira uh, and given Themyscira by Zeus as one of his last acts and then of course given Diana as the god killer their role is to protect the earth should Ares return and Diana doesn't shirk that responsibility like she takes that responsibility on herself. Yes, she doesn't fully understand the ramifications of all that she's doing, but she also knows that if, who will she be if she stays? If she doesn't pick up the mantle of responsibility, which is hers, what will she do? And it just really reminded me of the famous saying, you know, it's all, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men or women to do nothing. You know, and like... She has the ability to just stay on Paradise Island and, you know, whatever. But she doesn't sit on the sidelines. And I just, I thought that was so powerful because, you know, as Steve talks about all the innocents that are killed, the women, the children, like everything that's happening and how often do we just kind of stick our heads in the social media sand and pretend to have outrage about things and that's really meaningless but diana takes action she takes responsibility and she takes action and i think um that was what was really important is that conversation she has with steve where he says you know my daddy said uh, two things you can do nothing or you can do something and i already tried nothing and that he understands he might not be able to change the course of the future by himself but he sure as hell ain't going to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. Like, I just, I love what the movie was saying is that we have to take responsibility. And yes, we might not be able to change the world all by ourselves, but we have the opportunity to change something about this world, even if it's just those around us. And and that's, I just, I think that's huge. So, and what a great message for little girls and little boys and their parents, and everybody else going to see this movie. I mean, that's definitely a great hero to be looking up to. Totally agree. Totally agree. It's uh, it's amazing what uh, what Eva's picked up uh, just reading some of the comic books that I've uh, shown her. Like, what was it? She was, watch- she was reading something. It was My Little Pony, I think it was. And, yeah, Friendship is Magic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, she, um, she was like, oh, yeah, this is a comic, or this is a, this is, this is my stories, Dad. This is, this isn't a comic book. And I'm like, Here's a comic book of all the, of all the uh, Captain Americas and all that. It's the same thing. It was pictures and everything and words, just like what she was. And she's been reading some of the uh, some of the, uh, my old uh, Captain America. Obviously, not the originals. <laughs> I've got um, the essential uh, books that she can you know thumb oh, through. Nice. Yeah. So because I don't want <laughs> I, I, those stay in a dark area in in plastic. <laughs> <laughs> no one touches it. Not even me. <laughs> But like um, you know, I've been uh, showing her 
a lot of the old Captain America, you know, some of the some of my favorite comic books. I haven't dipped into Batman yet or anything like that, but you know, some of the pure uh I guess in a sense good before, you know, he turns to yeah, you know, yeah, like your agent. Captain America is your Superman, oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, exactly. Superman's another one. Superman's a great one. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and it's great what the messages that she gets out of them. And I don't think I have, I don't have many Wonder Woman uh, comic books. Uh, I think I need to start doing that. I, I, I love the messages that uh, a lot of the older comic books. I don't know about how much on the newer comic books nowadays, but like um, back in the um, back like twenty years ago. There were great messages in all of these comic books that you know was very pure. That hey, this is this is what you need to do. Be kind to your own neighbor, sort of thing. And yeah, it was great. Great messages. It was great. It's like the ending of GI Joe. They 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 had a <laughs> message at the end of it. The more you no, know. No, I, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. And and that's the thing I, I really liked, and that I have liked about. Um, the DC universe. And, and I just kind of want to move in to talk about the movie before we go into some ratings. But one of the things Patty Jenkins said, she has this great quote uh, about the movie that she wanted to make. And I think it, it applies just to the DCU in general. She said, did you say cheesy? Cheesy is one of the words banned from my world. I'm tired of sincerity being something that we're afraid of doing. It's been like that for 20 years that the entertainment and art world has shied away from sincerity real sincerity because they feel they have to wink at the audience because that's what kids like we have to do these stories now the world is in crisis i wanted to tell a story about a hero who believes in love one who is filled with love and who believes in change in the betterment of mankind i believe in it it's terrible when it makes so many artists afraid to be sincere and truthful and emotional and relegates them to the too cool for school department Art is supposed to be about bringing beauty to the world. And what I liked about Wonder Woman and what I've personally enjoyed about the DCU and in, in general is just the fact that there is a real sincerity to their movies. They, they take the, the characters and the world they're in seriously and they're not spending the time winking at the camera because I think they are trying to tell us something like you're talking about, Richard. Like they have a point to get across in their movies, you know, and I, I really like that. Um, and I think that that is one of the things that a lot of people are responding to in Wonder Woman. They like the fact that there's not a point in this movie where Chris Pine or Gal Gadot kind of looks at the camera and gives you that big old wink like, we know it's ridiculous, just join it. No, there's none of that. This is a story that's meant to inspire us and to show us something better. And I, I thought that was really cool. So, uh, And I really appreciate her uh, having the guts to share that as a director. You know, I think that because that's not been the general thing in Hollywood. I wanted to ask you guys about the, the movie itself. And one, I've heard a lot of things about, you know, maybe the slow-mo fighting. I'm wondering what y'all's opinion are. So slow motion seems to come in and out of popularity fairly frequently in movies and in different movie years and genres. Uh, I, I think it worked for this film because... It did add to the grandeur of some of the giant fight sequences and those such things. And I, I understand that it, it seemed a bit too grand sometimes or or kind of the opposite of gritty. Like it, pretty much the exact opposite of, say, a fight sequence from any of the Bourne movies, like the Jason Bourne movies. Uh, but I, I think that superhero movies tend to feel very different 
so the, this is not a Deadpool. This is not a Dark Knight uh, movie. This is Wonder Woman. And it felt in place to me for the style of the film and the kind of launch back into the past in a larger than life picture. Uh, I, I think it really comes down to personal preference, though, because if it, if it bothers you, it bothers you and it takes away from the movie. If if you like it, then you like it and it adds to your enjoyment. Overall, I really like this movie. Uh, it's yeah, I, I, I had a problem with the slow mo. I think it was too much. It wasn't. I, I think that like the grand bat of like the main battles, you know, obviously with Ares and maybe some, you know, obviously heard uh, crossing uh, no man's land. Um, which um, was awesome. I absolutely love that. It's just too bad they didn't lay artillery shells under too. That would have been awesome, even more awesomer. Um, but uh, uh, I could, I, I had so many ideas pop in my head on what was going on in that time, in that time frame when it came to weaponry, that there could have been so much more uh, ex, uh, explosions. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't like how much there was. I liked it, but I just, I thought it was just a little bit overboard on some of the things that they were doing. Um, CGI to me was a, was a, uh, need, need a little bit more work. Uh, whoever did it, uh, it looked like it was, um, I want to back you up there real quick, Richard. I completely agree with you. And part of that is that this movie I think was like $150 million. Oh, was it? Um, I, so it was a lot less than, than like Batman v Superman okay. or, or, so I, I absolutely agree with you. They should have spent more money on the CGI to perfect it. Uh, because it would have looked even better. I mean, I totally, utterly agree with you that that was a that was one thing they should have done better. Right, and it, exactly, it's an and it's a comic book mo- uh, movie. Come on, <laughs> there's not much you could do in real life that that you could do more with CGI. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, come on, guys, like, let's think with our noggins. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I had a big, I had a major problem with it. I mean, obviously. Like the beginning of the Amazonian, uh, seeing them fighting and everything and training. You, I saw a few repeats. I don't know if you saw that. There was a few in the background that I saw that were repeats. I don't know. I don't know if they did that. I don't. Uh, maybe they didn't think anyone would notice. I don't know. But I saw it the first time around. Um, but um, yeah, overall, it was a it was a great movie. I actually really liked it a lot. Um, unfortunately, Eva fell safe through it because she got bored um, right around when they went to London. I think it was. No, no, no. It was after that. It was the village. After the whole scene with the uh, with the uh, liberating the village, she got really bored and basically fell asleep. Um, but she loved everything before that. <laughs> Without actually thinking about it um, after the fact, I really uh, had a problem with the main villain. But other than that, I really like this film. I really do. I mean, I'm not going to... Uh, no offense. I'm not going back to see it because, you know... Um, I was. I, uh, it's probably going to be something I'm going to. I'll watch on DVD. But, um, but yeah. I mean, I really liked it, especially quick, first time around. Quick question for both of you: What format did you guys see it in? I saw it in 3D and 2D, and then Dolby Atmos. Uh, we saw it in regular 2D. Okay, I did um, 3D uh, XDs. Yeah, um, and. The theater screen that I saw it on was actually a really high quality screen. And I've noticed several times when I go and see movies there that I don't notice imperfections or maybe not so nice CGI or awkward shots as much because the screen makes up for it a lot. 
It's the uh, unicorn so, power. It's the unicorn power in the, it uh, in the screen. <laughs> it, it, it tingles, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you realized what I was saying. <laughs> oh, and meanwhile, man. like 95% of the audience is just like, what? <laughs> So I I really I I liked the the fight scenes and I liked the slow mo, but I liked it because it reminded me so much of a comic book, the splash page that you get where there is that amazing pose of the character doing this incredible thing and I felt like that the slow mo gave you that feel like I'm I'm watching a living comic book and and for me that's why it worked. I also thought that it made the Amazon fight style seem very graceful and elegant, but also will kick your ass. I mean, uh, you don't really have a chance. And so that's the other thing. I, I just felt like it worked to make Wonder Woman's fight style feel different than what we've gotten in a lot of comic book movies recently. Um, and it's, it, it separate her. Two, uh, her lasso is so awesome. I mean, I absolutely love her lasso. Uh, I think it, it's just... That was really cool. And then, I mean, Themyscira is an incredible-looking place. I saw some of the pictures. I have the the art of book, and I was looking at the city in Italy that they based the, the main city of Themyscira on, and it's very cool because so much of that is real, and then the rest is digital replacement or augmentation of it, and they did such a good job of bringing all of that to life. I, I just... I think that was the thing I really liked is I felt immersed in the world. I felt immersed in her world and then, of course, being thrown into the trenches in World War One, I, I felt like all of that felt really good. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I think this is a, and the music too. I didn't even mention the music, but the soundtrack for this movie is great. Um, they really use the Wonder Woman theme well from Batman v Superman and bring that over here as well as adding some more themes to this that I just, I really have enjoyed listening to the soundtrack over the last week now. Oh, the music um, so is I think so it, good. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Doesn't it make you like want to go kick somebody's butt? Yeah. Or run like a marathon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe not run oh, a marathon. I don't know about Let's that not go far, crazy. dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just, all in all, I think I think the movie, uh, it, it 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 works really well and it flows together really well. So, Richard, if if you're gonna rate Wonder Woman, uh, we could do it out of ten. Uh, what do you think? Uh, out of ten, out of ten, I'll give it an eight point five. Nice, that's really good, man. I mean, I, I was not expecting that. I no, I, I, don't get me wrong. I I, I like I said, I I, I found holes and mm. when I really thought about it, but like the reality is that, I mean. Was I entertained? Yeah. Uh, Are you not entertained? Oh, yeah. That would be awesome if something like that was there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. That would be great. Um, But, yeah, I was entertained. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, there was some, to me, there was some dry spots. But, I mean, it didn't take away from the overall movie. And um, there were some pretty epic uh, parts of it. So, I really liked it overall. Awesome. What about you, Bethany? He stole my thunder. Uh, (laughs) 8.5 as well. Um, I really enjoyed this movie a lot and I loved what sort of a future this can set up for DC in 
carrying on with some of their more character focused movies. And I, I thought that the first really cool, modern female led superhero movie was a massive success. And, and I did not go into this thinking, Oh, it's wonder woman. I've loved her all my life. I've read all of her comics and I'm going to love this movie no matter what. You know, I I went into it being enough of a skeptic to be like, to have a high expectations because of what I'd heard. Uh, But just going into it as just a normal superhero movie fan in general. So, uh, but it was so much better than I thought it would be. It really was. Well, okay, if y'all are going for 8.5, I'm going to have to say 9. Like, I just, I, unabashedly, I, I'm, I'm unashamed of sincerely loving this movie. I, I just, I absolutely love it. And um, I thought it was so well done. I thought that they had put so much thought into the character, into bringing her to life. I think, Bethany, you're right on cue, the fact that they understood what was writing on this. This is the first major superhero female character coming to screen. We cannot screw this up. Uh, or we might hurt other people's chances. And, and, and I think what it is is they deliver a movie that it it brings to life the character of Wonder Woman that pays homage to different parts of her origin story, whether it's she's made out of clay or that she's a demigod. It kind of brings all of that stuff together that makes it work. Uh, and it, it's, I, again, I think, um, you know, Gal Gadot was uh, talking at uh, a conference or something. I saw her. It was online. It was on YouTube. And she was saying, you know, she, she kind of was thinking about giving up acting. And then Zack Snyder called, and the rest is history. She's she's Wonder Woman, and uh, I was even reading the uh, art of book, and and Patty Jenkins talked about you know she inherited the casting of Wonder Woman, and yet she cannot think of anybody better to play the role. Uh, and I was talking to a, a family uh, on my third time seeing it this weekend, <laughs> this last weekend, um, and the mom and the daughter were there, teenage daughter, and mom turns to me afterwards. She's like, it was so good. I can't believe it's taken this long. And so we had a little conversation about, you know, I'm so glad, though, that it actually took this long because we're making a movie at a time where it looks good. You know, we we mentioned, Richard, the CGI could have been better, and it should have been better. Uh, but... I also think it was the the right person to play this role because I love Gal Gadot and I think she plays the role perfectly. And I, to me, as much as for so many people, Christopher Reeve is Superman, she's Wonder Woman. And uh, I just, I absolutely adore this movie and I hope that if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening because we spoiled it rotten, uh, but if you have seen it, I hope that you'll go back and see it and support movies like this because... You know, if you like a movie and it's kind of a unique type of film, go see it as many times as you can because money is what talks in Hollywood. So if you like this, let them know you want more of this. And I'm right there with you, Bethany. makes me really excited for, like, Aquaman. And uh, I'm actually excited to see, uh, even more excited to see Justice League, uh, you know, with having 
Diana Prince back in that. And I loved the way that this film, we didn't even talk about the way this film bookends itself, um, where she's gotten the picture from Bruce, who's given her the original uh, of the picture that's taken that we saw in Batman v Superman and kind of showing her revival of being a hero came from that experience with Bruce and Clark at the end of Batman v Superman and will lead us into the Justice League. What I liked, though, is that there's only those minor connections, so pretty much anybody can go in and see this movie. That's great Uh, because you should be able to just go into Wonder Woman's origin story not feel like you've had to see 12 films. Actually, yeah. I And I would say that that's one thing that DC kind of has Marvel beat with. Because at this point, yes, you can see a Marvel film without seeing the others, but you'll be missing a lot of significance. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I think I think you have a, a good point there, especially with some of the films, for sure. I mean, I think if you go into uh, Civil War and that's the first one you've ever seen, you're you're not going to get as much out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's not as, as much like, well, Lord of the Rings or maybe Star Wars or something. I, I had a friend who tried to watch Lord of the Rings by starting with Return of the King. And they're like, yeah, I mean, I never really liked it. I didn't know what was going on. And everything seems so weird. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course it seems so weird. You, you came in in part three. Yeah. That's and I was like, start one, one continuous start story. from the beginning. Then tell me. It's what like you starting. Think. It's like starting a book with the the third part of the like the the last third of the book. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, well, I'm I'm really I'm so glad we got I got a chance to talk about this, and I I am more than ecstatic if you haven't figured out that Wonder Woman was a triumph. Uh. And uh, thank you so much for for joining us, and and and. Thank you so much for supporting the network, all the people that do on Patreon. I have some great associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson, incredible gentlemen who have been supporting the show for a very long time, but not just me and this show, but the entire network. Uh, This is, uh, as I've said before, it's an expensive enterprise. It costs a lot of money to produce all the shows that we do each and every week for you here on Trek FM and put those out to you. And so we need your help because we can't do it alone. Uh, and we have a way to do that over on patreon.com slash trekfm. You can see uh, all the ways that we love to give back to you. We love to give you extra content, bonus content, or the access to content, uh, ex- producers, credits. I mean, there's so many ways we're trying to give back to you on top of bringing you great quality shows for your support. And honestly, every little bit helps. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be part of the team. Uh, now, Bethany, uh, thank you so much for joining us for uh, talking about Wonder Woman. If more people would like to talk to you about Wonder Woman or anything else, where can they find you out there on the interwebs? They can find me on Twitter at Bethany L. Blanton and on multiple other social medias by the same name, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and then I also do stuff for the Star Wars Report, and that's StarWarsReport.com. And Richard, uh, if anybody wants to talk to you about comics or Wonder Woman, obviously you have a ton of comic knowledge, you're a good comic book fan, but you're a big Star Wars fan and so many other things, uh, where can people find you? Well, uh, they can listen to me on uh, uh, Earl Grey, the dedicated uh, podcast to the next generation with uh, Amy Nelson and uh, Lee Hutchinson. 
Um, and you know, uh, you could, you guys can also find me on the Babel conference. I'm uh, periodically, uh, uh, pop in here and there. And I'm also on uh, Twitter and my handle is X random. Well, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me uh, on Instagram at MRushing. I'm here on the network doing The Orb with Chris Jones. We're talking about Deep Space Nine. We have some new episodes out. We've got some more coming for you, so keep a weather eye out for that. You can also find me on TheNerdParty.com. I'm doing a couple of different shows there. One, I do Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills. We talk Star Wars. It's a blast. Make sure you check it out. And I'm also doing Owl Post, a Harry Potter podcast with Drea Kaufman as we walk through each and every chapter of the Harry Potter series of books. And so I hope you'll join us there. And you can find all of those on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do get your podcasts. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now here. <laughs>